Welcome to another episode of The Duck Stops Here, a podcast featuring alumni from the University of Oregon. I'm Michelle Joyce Fife, and today I'll be using my very best on-air voice because I'm interviewing a professional voice actor. I mean, I actually got advice when I first moved to L.A. and I was working at a trailer house and I was asking one of the producers there about, you know, how do I get into voiceover? How do I get how do I end up sounding like these guys who sound like they, you know, they've got like a bag of gravel in their throat? The guy looked at me and and said, in all serious, he said, whiskey and cigarettes. That was Motion Melvin, a theater studies alum who moved to Los Angeles in 2000. You may recognize his voice from TV promos, commercials, and documentaries. And if you're in L.A., you can hear him on 97.1 AMP radio. We are so lucky to have him here to tell us the secrets to success in the entertainment industry and to give us a peek behind the scenes into the wild world of voice acting. So let's get started. My name is Motion Melvin, and I was at the U of O from 1995 to 1999. So it was the grunge years, and uh, it was a good time to be a duck. What was it like on campus at that time? Oh, man. Well, it was a lot of fun. I was in the theater department, so spent a lot of time at Rennie's. I mean, uh, Villard Hall. But I also spent a lot of time in uh, the smaller theaters at the arena and specifically the Pocket Playhouse. It was, and I assume still is, a really unique space and a really unique program. And best of all, no rules. You could do whatever you wanted in there. So you had a three-day run. And we just we just went crazy in there. Um, I di- wrote and directed a bunch of shows, a bunch of sketch comedy. I was in a show called T-Shirts with two other guys and that featured full frontal nudity. <laughs> and as you can imagine, we sold out every single night for that show. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I, I saw some of the worst theater of my life in that space. But so many people learned so many things, and we were able to take that on into our careers as performers or uh, stagehands or, or whatever. What kinds of things did you learn at the University of Oregon that helped prepare you for a career in entertainment in Los Angeles? Well, it prepared me in a lot of ways. Um, You know, voiceover is a really, really big field that uh, I don't think a lot of people understand just how ubiquitous and how varied it is in terms of the types of jobs that are out there for voice actors. I think a lot of people think of voice actors and they think of animation, cartoons, and uh, now video games. And that's absolutely true. I mean, especially video games just blowing up right now. But there's commercials, there's promos for TV shows, there's movie trailers. And then you get into the other stuff that people really don't often think about, like training videos and the announcer on the subway who tells you to mind the gap or what station you're coming up to or um, audio tours at museums, et cetera, et cetera. Narration for TV shows, it's a big thing that I do. And so 
all of that theater experience really helped to inform all of it. You know, traditionally, voiceover, certainly in the 20th century, was very sort of presentational. And people had to have this particular kind of baritone voice with this particular kind of diction and a particular kind of delivery for everything. And it was kind of a cookie-cutter thing. And there was just a small group of mostly men who did that work. And um, they made the lion's share of the money. And there are some dudes who got really rich doing that. But now um, it's really disseminated to the masses. And that announcer thing, there's really been a big pushback against that. And so if announcer is on one end of the spectrum conversational is now on the other and that's the thing that's in vogue in the moment and so in order to be conversational to basically kind of be an announcer who is a character um, you need to be able to be emotionally connected in some way to what you're doing and of course that's what acting is aside from just sort of the the general benefit of having an acting background the U of O offered a lot of voice classes and a lot of voice training. I took advantage of as much of that vocal training as I possibly could. What does a voice class even do? Wow, um, that's a really great question with many, many different answers. So um, there is nothing more bizarre than a vocal warm up. Uh, because you need to stretch out and use your entire vocal instrument, which really is your entire body. Yeah, I mean, there's these tiny little vocal cords in your larynx that vibrate and slap together and make noise, but you have got to incorporate your entire body. Um, not all the time, but... Um, I, I think it's ideal to be able to use your entire body. And so vocal warm-ups can be everything from stretching in a certain way and then stretching in bizarre places that you wouldn't in like a Pilates class or something like that. So you want to stretch out your ribs and your neck and your throat and massaging your jaw and... Um, even even like stretching your tongue um, and then so that's kind of like the physical part of it. But in terms of like the sounds that you have to make, that's where it starts to get really weird because your whole there's there's all of these different resonators. You know, the you know, the the, the sound is made in the vocal cords, but it, that's all supported by your breath and by these different resonators. And so that's your chest, that's your lips, that's your teeth, that's your sinuses, that's your forehead, that's your entire skull. And so there's a, there's a bunch of different techniques. Alexander technique is one of them. Link later technique is another. And, um, but, you know, just to give you an example of what a vocal warm-up can sound like. Oh, yes, please. I'll just, uh, I'll just run you through a few of them. So if, I'm, uh, if I am warming up my sinuses and my nasal passage, 
I might do something like, mmm, mummy, 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 down, down, down. And if I'm doing, if I'm warming up my chest, then I might do something like, one hippopotamus, <laughs> two hippopotamus, three hippopotamus. And, um, you know, so if I'm trying to do, say, like my, my, my head voice, like my falsetto, it might sound something like me, 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 me. <laughs> or, uh, you know, of course, and then you do the, you know, like the horse lips, like <laughs> you add some sound to it. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. So um, that's not actually, you know, I would say that most people I know who just do like commercial narration promo the kind of stuff that i do there's not a whole lot of warm-up that gets in that gets um that gets utilized for that i mean i actually got advice when i first moved to la and i was working at a trailer house and i was asking one of the producers there about you know how do i get into voiceover how do i get how do i end up sounding like these guys who sound like they you know they've got like a, a, a gravel like a bag of gravel in their throat the guy looked at me and, and said in all serious he said Whiskey and cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all kinds of different ways to arrive at a, you know, a particular kind of performance, depending on what that performance is. Well, and I remember you saying that you got your start in the industry almost despite yourself. You were given a fantastic opportunity, but didn't even realize that that was the case. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so this is another part. This is another part of the voiceover world that is huge that everybody has been exposed to. And that is called ADR, which, oh, I hope I don't get nailed for this because I'm not sure exactly what it is. Is it automatic dialogue replacement? Basically, the, the sort of jargon for it is looping. And what that is, is when people shoot a movie a lot of times there will be a scene with other people in the background. But what they usually do is they'll have the, those people in the background just sort of mouth a conversation because what they want to capture is are the, you know, the featured actors, the people who are in the foreground. And so they'll have all those people just kind of like mouth these conversations. And so what looping does is it gets a bunch of actors in a room and they watch the film and they'll try to sometimes they'll if if one of the background actors is really close to the camera, they'll have they'll actually try to fit, read the lips of that person, figure out what they're saying and say it as if they were that person. And so I've seen some people who are just that just incredible, incredibly able to read, you know, someone's lips and then sound like that person. But often, you know, it's just, you know, they'll they'll do like a walla, meaning like a wall of sound. And, um, you know, it'll just be, you know, you'll just like get in a group and just kind of have a, a really vanilla, just a really nondescript kind of a conversation. And you add a bunch of those together, lay it on top, and you've got a crowd. And the wallas used to actually be people saying walla, right? Yeah, walla, walla, or peas and carrots. Um, and... Yeah, because it it just it didn't it didn't really matter, you know, especially when you're in a big crowd, you can pretty much say whatever you want and it's not it's not going to be intelligible. So um, so I when I first got to L.A., my dad's 
friends um, were in the business, and this this one woman ran one of these loop groups. And I just came in because I wanted to just um, basically audit and watch and see what it was like. And one of the people who came in that day was sick. And as soon as they found out this person was sick, she looked at me and she said, do you have your SAG card? And for people who don't know, SAG is the Screen Actors Guild. It's the Actors Union. It's now SAG-AFTRA. But at the time, it was just SAG, and you had to be a union actor to work this union job. And I had gotten my SAG card from uh, a film I did up in Portland before I actually moved down. And so I said, yeah, I got my SAG card. And so I worked that day. And the thing about loop groups is it's a really tight-knit, hard-to-get-into group. And I, and I remember, I didn't really pick it up at the time, but I remember the looks on the faces of the other actors who were there. Just incredible shock and resentment that a guy could just waltz in and some dude happens to be sick and this guy's got his SAG card, so he's working? So anyway, um, I worked that day and actually did a pretty decent job. And at the end of the day, one of the, uh, you know, the post supervisor said, Hey, we're doing another one of these tomorrow. Are you available? And I said, nah, sorry, I got plans tomorrow. I'm going to the beach with some friends. And then the look on his face of shock and resentment was also really clear because he knew what I didn't, which was that I was blowing off a major opportunity because uh, people who are in loop groups make a lot of money and a lot of residuals and they work very consistently. And uh, I blew it. I blew it that day, and um, thank God things turned out okay <laughs> in other areas. So you don't really think of people in the loop groups as receiving royalties every time something airs on TV or anything like that. So, you know, are you still receiving checks for eight cents here and there? And the answer is yes. I am still <laughs> receiving re receiving residual checks from that session 20 years ago in 2000. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, they don't often get over maybe like five or six bucks. And uh, a couple times over the years, I've, I've gotten the coveted one cent check. Ooh. And I got that framed on my wall because it's, uh, it's a unicorn. It cost 50 times that to send it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, and it sounds like when you got into the industry, it was extremely different than it is now. Um, with the ability yeah. to record things at home and, um, you know, go on to voice one, two, three and those kinds of websites. It seems like it's pretty easy to find voice actors. Are you still union represented? Yeah, um, I am. Um, I'm still in the union and uh, I am a staunch advocate for being in the union if you're going to be a voiceover person. And um, that's a discussion for another podcast. But <laughs> what's the elevator version? Well, uh, the difference between being in the union and not being in the union means if you're in the union, there are standard rates. You get health insurance and pension and there is a pay scale and uh, a structure for the way that things work. And I have uh, a few agents and. They represent and do all of my auditions. I submit all of my auditions to them. 
and they disseminate those to whatever buyers are looking and they negotiate the deals and they they negotiate the rates and I get a lot of protection and I get guaranteed wages. And not being in the union doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have representation, but I think for most people, they have to they have to hustle their own jobs. They have to negotiate their own rates. There isn't a health and pension plan that's supported by a union. And the other part that is contentious is uh, a lot of people feel, myself included, that if people are doing non-union work, what that does is it lowers the value of the talent across the board. And so the buyers out there who are looking for voiceover people, if if they're willing to sift through all, a lot of these auditions that are coming in through Voices123, Voices.com, then they can find much cheaper voiceover. You know, this is this is where I'll stop the discussion because you know a lot of people can get pretty can get pretty heated about it. Um, I don't, but I definitely have a strong opinion that um, you know for for the for the good of the entire industry, people should be in the union. That's a conversation that's happening across many different industries: taxi drivers and Uber and just all of it. Oh yeah. Absolutely. No, absolutely. This isn't this isn't just specific to um, to to voiceover or acting. So um, I'll let that debate rage somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) What do you wish you could have told your younger self before moving to Los Angeles? Oh, I I would say don't waste your time trying to be a movie star. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I would say, you know, clearly voiceover is 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 much better for you. The acting profession, specifically the on-camera acting profession, it, it, it takes a certain kind of fortitude and um, stick-to-itiveness and, uh, and an ability to take rejection straight to your face that I just don't, I just don't really have. Um, and my hat's off to people who decide to do on-camera and stick with it because it's a, it's a tough business. And, you know, anyone who says actors are sissies don't know what actors have to go through <laughs> to, to do what they do and to be successful. It just, you know, it, it took coming down here and ta- taking a shot at it for me to realize that voiceover is really was really my thing. So, yeah, that's what I would tell myself. I'd say, don't waste your time. Just call up that <laughs> voiceover coach immediately and don't bother with any of the other stuff. <laughs> Would that still be the route to get into the industry? What about recent graduates who are interested in pursuing a voice career? Because before you said it was so saturated, and would it be a don't bother getting into voiceover era? No, 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 no. So, um, you know, in my opinion, the fact that there are so many people getting into it is a double-edged sword because with, with so many people going in, there's a lot of, how do I say this? untalented people trying to do it. And so if you can get your chops up to a certain level, which is not as high as it used to be, you can have a career. It's just like anything. It is a profession. It requires a lot of skills that, you know, don't really apply to anything else that are very specific to voiceover. 
you know, a lot of people have this attitude of like, well, it's just talking or people say I have a great voice. Um, I talk every day. How hard can it be to read words off a page? I say, well, okay, um, you know, if you wanted to be a professional football player, do you think that you could just step on the field with Tom Brady and hold your own? There are guys out there who have been doing this for their entire lives, guys and girls, who've been doing this their entire lives, who do it every day, and that's all they do. For most of us, it takes at least a few years. And not only, you know, getting your chops up, but especially in this day and age where you need the equipment, you need a very basic set of audio engineering skills to actually make it, it's not just the skill of doing the voiceover. There's a lot of technical aspects. There is uh, a knowledge of how the industry works that is really important because now there are so many more options besides just getting an agent. And then, you know, there's a, just like any creative field, there's a certain amount of luck. Yeah. And by the hair of my chinny chin chin, I got my first agent. But that was after four years at the U of O, three years of training with coaches in L.A. And, you know, I'm sorry to say it, but thousands of dollars of investment in um, in coaches and materials and resources. Well, with all of the training that you had, what was the biggest vocal habit that you had to work on breaking? Oh, boy. Well, I'll start with a little story that happened in uh, Eugene, Oregon. I listened to uh, quite a bit back then alternative radio, KNRQ. And I think it's changed. Um, but at the time, KNRQ and KZL were in the same building. And I met one of the on-air personalities, this woman named Chia, at an acting workshop up in Portland. And I said, hey, you're on the radio. I want to be on the radio. What do I got to do to get on the radio? And she said, well, uh, you know, I think there's an internship. I'm not really sure. There wasn't. So I don't know exactly what happened, but I somehow I think I finagled an internship at the radio station. Meaning, like, I went to the student union and I was like, hey, I want to sign up for this internship. And they're like, uh, there's no internship. And then I called KNRQ and I was like, hey, I want to sign up for your internship. And they're like, uh, we don't have an internship. And so I think I just convinced both sides that the internship actually did exist. And I just needed, uh, you know, them to sign this whatever piece of paper to make it happen. And somehow it just it materialized out of thin air. So wait, you told the radio station that the university said there was an internship and you just basically showed up for work? Well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But basically, look at it this way. You know how kids will like go to their dad and be like, hey, you know, can I have an ice cream? And they say, uh, no, ask your mom. And then, you know, the kid says, oh, mom already said that I could have it, you know. And so that basically that's what happened. I just I just told both sides that the other side said that it existed and I just needed some kind of approval for it to happen. And it wasn't honest, but uh, it, it made things it, it worked out. And, I, you know, and, the, and I think it was genius. Yeah, well, yeah. And the internship, it lived on. I don't know if it still exists, but. 
it lived on. And, uh, you know, a bunch of my friends came in after me and they, they also got on the air as well. So I was, I was on the air for a year and that's really where I cut my teeth on voiceover um, because they had a small production studio and we had to voice and produce our own commercials. And so I didn't really know what, you know, commercials were like outside of just this small town radio station. And so I, uh, I just did what everybody else was doing. And I was, you know, an, an on-air personality and did, did the DJ thing. And then, you know, when I got down to L.A. and I started taking classes and I started working with this coach, I said, um, you know, I came in really cocky and I was just like, hey, you know, I got this. I used to be on the radio. And uh, so the first thing the coach said to me was like, all right, first thing we're going to do is beat the radio out of you. <laughs> so sounds painful. Yeah, I, I was deflated. So the habit that I had was being like that announcer guy. And um, and it's something I still have to fight against today to be more authentic to be more conversational. I don't want to uh, set you back in your progress, but I would love to uh, hear a movie trailer or a hard sell on something. Oh, geez. Um, let's see if I can make some. You want you want the hard sell? All right. All right. The hard sell. Um, all right. Uh... Are you tired of your boring life in the big city? Why don't you decide to become a duck? Come to the University of Oregon, where we've got trees and lots of microbrews and really nice people. So come to the U of O. <laughs> I, awesome. I, I don't know. Something like that. Was that hard enough for Enrollment you? Enrollment is going to skyrocket. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and you have been involved in the University of Oregon community down in Los Angeles a little bit before we stopped doing events. Yeah, there's a lot of ducks down here. A lot of O stickers on cars, for sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, one thing that really bothers me, though, is that, you know, when I see somebody wearing a duck shirt or I see somebody who's got a, you know, bumper sticker on the car, I'll do the hand signal with the O, you know, or I'll scream, Go Ducks! And, you know, people down here are like, what? Oh, 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 yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go Ducks. Uh, the, the, the school pride is kind of lacking down here, to be honest. But um, no, I, I, I love it. We are working on that. Yeah, good, good. I think you should. There needs to be more. There needs to be more duck pride down here. I mean, especially because we're smoking UCLA and USC on a regular basis. I mean, come on. <laughs> What's not to be proud of? I know. Seriously, I did have a really awkward trip to um, the Rose Bowl one time with some friends of mine who um, are, are UCLA alumni. And they invited me to a duck game <laughs> at the Rose Bowl <laughs> against the Bruins. And I, I didn't have a ticket. They just offered me a ticket. So I'm sitting there with my duck shirt in the student section of UCLA. And, oh, man, we just smoked them so badly. <laughs> and I'm just like this one guy with the green shirt in a sea of light blue who was excited. Well, they all had really frowny faces. <laughs> Were you? I was about to. Were you sitting quietly, or were you just rubbing it in oh, to the best of your ability? Oh, I, I I rubbed it in until it started to look like maybe I was going to get jumped in the parking lot. You know, I just I just quieted down and just sort of like yes under my breath. You know, whenever there was a touchdown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, good for you for risking your life uh, <laughs> to keep cheering for the Ducks yeah, there. Yeah, thank you. I will risk my life for school pride. Well, hopefully that won't be necessary. Um, we can just see you at a couple of upcoming events whenever we're able to resume them in person. But in the meantime, we are doing some virtual events online and um, obviously we have a podcast. Yeah, that is very cool. I was really excited to hear about this. Well, thank you so much for being our guest. And everybody in Los Angeles, uh, you can meet Motion at one of our upcoming events once they resume in person. Yes, I will be happy to be there. Thank you so much, Michelle. This was a real honor to be on your show. Thanks. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Want to get a message to today's guest? Do you know a duck that you'd like to nominate for our podcast? Want to give a shout out to your fellow ducks? Click the link below to leave us a voicemail that we can play during our next podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Duck Stops Here.